0: We're going to talk about friendship tonight, so this is good. So, 2 Timothy chapter 1 tonight, but I'd like you also to begin with tonight, turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24, Proverbs 18 and verse 24. I want to take a little bit longer tonight to develop this passage. Um, I really thought that I was going to go in another whole direction, and then as I got into this, and I began to, well, I'll say it this way, when God allowed me to begin to see the heart of Paul in this, I I was just overcome, to be quite honest with you, and and, and I feel very inadequate standing before you all tonight trying to communicate to you what I feel God gave to me. So, pray that in some small way I'll be able to share a little bit of what God gave to me from this passage tonight to you. Let me begin with this verse in Proverbs 18.24, and I like the net translation best. It says, a person who has friends may be harmed by them. And yet it says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All of us, all of us in our life have had friends who have deserted us, turned their backs on us those who we thought would take a bullet for us, and instead of taking a bullet for us, they loaded the bullet and shot us with it. But there are friends that stick closer than brothers. And we're going to talk about that tonight too. And all the while we talk about this tonight, let's not forget that the most important friend and the best friend you and I will ever have is Jesus Christ who will never leave us nor forsake us. That He will always stick with us. But as I shared at the beginning uh, before we even worship tonight much of God's ministry to us is done through other people. Much of what He wants to touch other people's lives is by using us. So, it's really huge, these relationships that we have with each other. But before we get into the heart of Paul tonight, and again, why I believe that 2 Timothy may be the most emotional book in the Bible. For one of the reasons is because Paul knew that his time on earth was very short, and that Nero was going to have him executed. So let's take a moment and let's try to go back in time a couple thousand years and set this up because I think that the passage then will have much more force in our life if we just take a few moments and set this up. Let's remember that Paul said, the time of my departure is at hand. Now, Paul was arrested and imprisoned during the height of Nero's, uh, basically, attack on Christians between 60 and 64 in that area, A.D. And that is when being a Christian in the Roman Empire was, in a sense, at its worst, I guess you would say. It was when the only people that would have stood up and admitted that they were Christians were really committed believers because you pretty much knew that if they identified you as a Christian, you were going to be majorly persecuted in some way, imprisoned, and maybe even put to death, martyred for your faith. So let's remember that that is the historical backdrop, and now we have Paul in prison in Rome, writing this letter to this young man that as he gets ready to go off into eternity, he's hoping that this young man won't give up on his faith and won't give up on the Lord and will hang in there. Because it's grieving the heart of Paul that out of all the people he has seen sort of go by the wayside, this would be the one person that would really, really sting because he had led Timothy to the Lord and he had discipled Timothy and he had invested so much into Timothy it would have really, really personally hurt Paul to think that Timothy abandoned his calling and, and left the ministry. Now to be in prison in Rome was not, obviously, a pleasant thing. Paul would have been in a very dark, cold cave, basically. And in those days, if you read about this in history, that prisoners like Paul, if they didn't have friends to bring them food at times, they wouldn't eat. If they didn't have friends to come and bring them clothes, they wouldn't have anything to wear. If they didn't have friends who would come and bring them books or whatever, they wouldn't have anything to read or study. In fact, that's why if you look real quickly at 2 Timothy chapter 4, when the prospects of Timothy maybe coming to see Paul is still alive, Paul says to him in 2 Timothy 4:13, "When you come, bring with you the cloak. I'm cold." I need that cloak I left in Troas with Carpus and the scrolls and especially the parchments. I think there he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. So you, you, you can see how important. I mean, friends and relationships are always important, but you can imagine how that's heightened at a time like this in our life. Now, I don't know how many of you maybe have even been in, in, in the experience of being near death at some point in your life? To, to be able to identify with Paul. In other words, Paul knew that his life would soon be over. And I realize that if you're sitting here, obviously that, you know, your life wasn't taken at that point either. But you may have been in some situation in life where you thought the end of your life on this earth was, was over then if you have experienced that, you you and I can begin at least on a small scale to understand, again, the emotions and the things that were flooding through Paul's mind at this point in that cold, dark, dank Roman prison cell. And that when he writes this letter, the emotion that he is feeling as he writes it. So we come tonight to this passage beginning in chapter 1, verse 13. And I'm probably not going to get to verses 13, 14 and chapter 2, verse 1, but I I do want to share this tonight. The three exhortations that Paul gives to Timothy here in this passage is this. Hold to the standard of sound words, verse 13 of chapter 1. Verse 14, chapter 1, and protect that good thing entrusted to you. And then chapter 2, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, Lord willing, we will look at those next week. I don't think we're going to get there tonight, but maybe we will. But I want to especially zero in tonight on verses 15 through 18 of chapter 1 where Paul writes these words, again from his prison cell to this young man, Timothy. You know, Timothy, that everyone in the province of Asia deserted me, including Phygellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the family of Onesphorus, because he often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my imprisonment. But when he arrived in Rome, he eagerly sought for me or searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know very well all the ways he served me in Ephesus. If there's one sort of common word that can tie all of chapter 1 together, it's the word ashamed. If you recall over in verse 8 of chapter 1, one of Paul's first exhortations to Timothy is, so do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, a prisoner for his sake. Timothy was a little shaky. And Paul wasn't sure by the reports that he got that Timothy was going to hang in there. Maybe Timothy was going to start distancing himself Not only from the Lord, but from Paul. Then down in verse 12, Paul says, I am not ashamed. In fact, I suffer because I'm not ashamed. Because as we talked about last week, I know the One. And my faith is set. And then you'll notice then over in verse 16, the verse that we just read, that he does tell Timothy, Onesiphorus was not ashamed. And he's going to hold Onesiphorus up to Timothy as hopefully an inspiration and and motivation for him not to quit, not to give up, not to throw in the towel, but to hang in there and and to be strong and to fulfill his calling no matter what comes his way, no matter what suffering comes his way. Because that's, again, one of the key themes of chapter 1. In verse 8 of chapter 1, accept your share of suffering for the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 3, take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Paul has played his part and done his part. He was willing to go to prison for the cause of Christ. In fact, in verse 9 of chapter 2, he says, For which I suffer hardship to the point of imprisonment as a criminal. And We're going to get to that in a couple weeks. But you'll notice in verse 15 of chapter 1, he reminds Timothy of something Timothy already knows, and that is how many people have deserted Paul. And Paul mentions two men by name. Why does he mention specifically two men by name? Because these two men were at one time very close friends. And very important co-workers with Paul in his missionary work and in his ministry. And so, just like any of us, we can look back on our life and those closest to us that turn their backs on us and are no longer with us, that stings a little bit more. And it's going to happen, folks. It's going to happen. As we read about, you know, in the book of Proverbs... That sometimes, you know, having friends can be painful. C.S. Lewis once said, If you don't want to be hurt, don't give yourself to anyone. Because basically, being in relationships makes us vulnerable. Loving and being loved makes us vulnerable. So if you don't ever want to be hurt, don't give yourself away. Don't give yourself to anyone. The problem is, that's not the way God wants us to live. That's not who God was. God knew that even though he would love the world, that most of the world down through history would reject his love. And push him away. That never stopped him loving. It doesn't stop God loving us when we aren't faithful to him. He never stops pursuing a relationship with us even though at times it hurts. God is willing to give himself away because what he gains in having a relationship far outweighs the pain and that's the way we need to look at it as well. But Paul said, it still stings. They deserted me And at the end of his life, he remembers it. You and I will remember those relationships that we thought these people were going to be with us till the very end. They were going to hang in there with us. They were going to stick with us. We were going to be together. Could be family, could be whoever, but they're not. And this isn't the only time Paul felt this desertion. If you go over to 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, Paul says, At my first offense, no one appeared in my support. He stood there alone. He said, instead, they all deserted me, and yet may they not be held accountable for it. Now he goes on to say, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Again, reminding us that the Lord will always stick with us. But... A lot of times, people won't. Let me share something with you from my own life, and I think that especially those of you who are a little bit older, you probably, and even older than me, probably would confirm or affirm this. The longer you live, the longer you live, the fewer people you realize will really be with you to the end. In fact, I would say this, that if you, can, if you can have a handful of people at the end of your life, like Paul, I mean, Paul was at the end of his life. He didn't have this massive amount of people around him, standing with him, supporting him. He had just a few but he was thankful for the few that he had and he was hoping that Timothy would be one of those few but paul was like if you have just a handful of people that will be there with you through it all through thick and thin and hang in there with thick and thin and hang in there with you to the end you're blessed because so many human relationships will fall by the wayside through our life You all, many of you at least, know the story of the start of this church. (laughs) That basically the core team of people that helped Lisa and I get this church started are no longer with us. It never gets easy though to have people walk out of your life. It hurts. Again, as C.S. Lewis said, if you never want to be hurt, never give yourself away. So Paul here in this prison is saying, I've been deserted. There's not a lot of people who are hanging in there with me. But then he says this, in verse 16, he says, But may the Lord grant mercy to the family of Onesiphorus. Now, there's a couple reasons why Paul may have said it that way. One, Onesphorus could have been executed by now, and he's no longer even living. So Paul is asking God, in a sense, to bless his family for the service of Onesiphorus. It could also be that Onesiphorus right now is not with his family and therefore Paul is saying because of his service to me and to others, God, would you also bless his family? We don't know for sure. But here's what Paul goes on to say. May the Lord grant mercy to the family of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and he was not ashamed of my imprisonment. There are three things that Paul says in verses 16, 17, and 18 that give us a description of what Proverbs 18 talks about, and that is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. What does a friend that sticks closer than a brother look like? Let me share it with you from the Word of God tonight in 2 Timothy 1. First of all, a friend that sticks closer than a brother will be... A refreshment. Verse 16. Notice, He often refreshed me. You know you've got a really good friend in your life, or that you are a good friend to others, when they are being refreshed by you, and you are being refreshed by them. Literally, they are like the embodiment of an oasis. I just had to throw that in there, you know. I have to get that in there. Literally in the Greek language, it means a cooling off. In other words, it's almost like, you know, the heat of the day and like they come into your life and they just, they just cool you off. They're like a cool breeze in your life. They, they literally like allow you to, to sort of revive and, 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 and be, you know, refreshed and reinvigorated. And Paul says he often was this for me. In this prison, Oneserus would come, and he would refresh me. I think again about this and applying this also to the Lord's ministry to us. And yes, God is a refreshment to us. But again, don't ever forget this that much of the ministry of God in our lives will be other people. So God wants to bring certain people into our lives to be a refreshment. And God wants to use us in other people's lives to be a refreshment. That's being a friend. And I want you all to know that many of you here are that to me. Some because I'm closer to you than others, obviously more so, but you are a refreshment. You are an encouragement. You are a comfort. You are a support. You are a friend. And Paul was so thankful, especially, again, think about this, folks. At the end of his life, he had a few people, a handful of people, that were there with him at the bitter end. And it just magnified how important they were to Paul. Because so many people had deserted him throughout his years of ministry. It was like, Paul, I'm I'm not going to, you know, because I, I don't want to have to go through the suffering and stuff. So I'm going to back away from the Lord a little bit here and Not be so fanatical about Jesus because, you know, I don't want Nero to zero in on me. So I'm backing off of you and in a sense backing off of the Lord and, you know, giving myself some space. A friend that sticks closer than a brother will be a refreshment. A friend that sticks closer than a brother will pursue us. Notice verse 17. When he arrived in Rome, he eagerly searched for me and found me. It wasn't easy to find Paul in the big city of Rome, even in prison. There were many prisons. And let's not forget the climate here. When he got there, he may have never even been in Rome before. He would have had to ask Think about the danger that put himself in. Every time he went up to somebody and said, do you know where Paul's at? Oh, Paul, Paul, you mean the guy that is in prison? Yeah. Because every time he would have asked about where Paul was, that put a target on Onesiphorus. He put his neck out there by searching for Paul. But he wasn't afraid to pursue Paul. Because that's what a friend that sticks closer than a brother will do. They will not only refresh us, they will pursue us. They will will get to us and they will pursue us no matter what the obstacles and all the stuff in, in the way. They won't let inconvenience or schedules or anything... Get in the way. That's what Onesiphorus did for Paul. And then, Paul says in verse 18, He cared for me. He served me. Literally, it means He cared for me. He ministered to me. When He came, He took care of me. And this is the very same word in the Greek language where the Gospel says, The Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. Because a friend that sticks closer than a brother will care more about serving than being served. Will care more about us than themselves. And that's what Onesphorus was to Paul. And Paul said to Timothy, You know very well all the ways he served me. I mean, this guy would come up with all kinds of different ways to serve Paul. Again, whether it was food or clothes or whatever it was. Because again, remember, in those prisons, unless someone brought you food you didn't eat. put yourself in that place for just a moment. Try to put yourself back a couple thousand years and you're sitting in a prison in Rome like Paul and you know that if you don't have somebody in your life that cares enough about you to bring you, you food, you won't eat. Do you have somebody? Would you be that for somebody else? Would you have somebody that cared enough about you that they would pursue you no matter what? What it cost them. Would you do that for somebody else? And would you care more about serving them and caring for them than being served? This describes a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And relationships are always important. We have talked about that all the time here at the Oasis. It's why God calls us into relationships with each other. Why? Because God, much of the time, ministers to us through each other. Lord, lead me to the persons that need me today and lead me to the people that I need today. Somebody out there may need Refreshed. Maybe I need Refreshed. Somebody out there may need searched for. Maybe I need searched for. Somebody out there may need served and cared for and looked after. Maybe I need that. And that's why we need to be faithful to the Lord. Because see, what Paul is really reminding us of here, is that if you and I are faithful to the Lord, we will be faithful to each other. Why? Because we will understand the principle that the Bible, in fact, the Lord Jesus Himself teaches. And I'd like you to turn there tonight to see that principle again from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Would you turn there, please, with me? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. I'm going to begin reading in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before Him and He will separate people one from another like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And here's what the Lord Jesus says. And the king will answer them and say, I tell you the truth. Just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it. For me. Wow. Jesus is saying, when we are a friend to others, it's as if we are doing it to Him. Now, I want you to keep that principle in mind, and I want you to carry that principle in your mind, all the way to Sunday. Can you do that? Because Sunday, we're going to pick up on that when we get into the passage on husbands and wives and children and parents and employees and employers. If you've done it unto the least of these, you did it to me. So you can understand, though this was not Onesphorus's, you know, motivation, Onesphorus ministered to Paul as if he was ministering to Jesus. It's not that he didn't love and care for Paul, but He also knew that if if I'm a friend to Paul, I'm also a friend to Jesus. That's why Jesus, on the road to Damascus, when he blinded Saul and said, Saul, you are persecuting me, Jesus gave us a very important principle. And that is that everything that happens to his children, He identifies with. He's one with us. So think about that positively. Everything that you and I do for others, we are also doing to Jesus. And also flip that around. Everything that's done to us that's hurtful, Everyone that deserts us and turns their back on us and and walks out of our life and all of that, Jesus feels that pain too because He's one with us. That's why the Bible says... He is a high priest who can sympathize and empathize with what we go through. He's human. He came to earth. He understands rejection and betrayal and people walking out of his life and people, you know, persecuting him and hurting him. He understands all that. He went through all of that while he was here. And so every time it happens to us, he gets it. He gets it. And he also receives it every time something good is done to others. It is also done to him. Paul, writing from that prison cell, was hoping that Timothy would get it. He so wanted Timothy to be one of those few people at the end of his life that he had by his side. Timothy was that precious to him. That's why back in 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 2 he calls Timothy my dear child. My dear child. Don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season, Timothy, you will reap if you don't faint or give up or lose heart. And Timothy was shaky. Paul wanted to solidify and stabilize this young man before he left the earth. One other thing, and then we'll close tonight. If you go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, there's one more significant thing here before we then go back up to verse 13 and 14 and we look at those admonitions from Paul to Timothy next week, and they're very important too. But Paul, several times in this letter, mentions... A specific day that he is continually aware of as he lives his life and as he approaches death. You'll notice in verse 18 of chapter 1, he says, May the Lord grant him, O to find mercy from the Lord on that day. That's not the first time he's mentioned that. If you go back up to chapter 1, verse 12, he says. That because of this, in fact, I suffer as I do. I'm not ashamed because I know the one in whom my faith is set, and I'm convinced that he is able to protect what has been entrusted to me until that day. And then over in chapter 4, verse 8. In fact, I'll begin in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as an offering, and the time for me to depart is at hand. I have Competed well, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, the crown of righteousness is reserved for me. The Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me in that day. That day was always on the mind of Paul. It was always on the forefront of his mind. What is that day? It was the day that he would see Jesus. He always kept that day. Right there. I'm going to see Jesus someday. That day. That day. And it was not just a day for Paul where he would see Jesus, the one who gave everything for him, but it was also a very important day for Paul in light of the life that he had lived for Christ. It's what Malachi talks about, the prophet Malachi in chapter 4, when he says, when God comes in His glory, He's going to come as the Son of Vindication, vindicating all those who have lived for Him and even lost their lives for Him, and He will rise with healing in His wings, the Bible says. Literally in the Hebrew, it means this. That that day that we see Jesus will not only be a day of of just glory to be able to see again the One who gave everything for us so that we might have eternal life. It's also a day of our vindication and it's also a day of our healing, if you will. It literally means the medicine. Jesus is our medicine that's going to to cure and heal all the wounds and ills of this life, of the hurts and the pain and all of that that we have went through and endured and persevered. Much of it for Him. He will bring those healing wings and wrap them around us and begin to Heal us from the pain of this life that day. That was the day that was prominent in Paul's mind. And it is that day that Paul wanted to also impress upon this young man Timothy so that Timothy would be willing to accept, accept his share of suffering for Christ. The longer I live, the more I realize how precious relationships are. And the more I realize that when all is said and done, as we move through life, if you can have a handful of people that you know will be with you, That you know will take a bullet for you. That you know will stick by you through it all. And be there at the end. What a blessing. May we also be that for others. When you wake up tomorrow, consider a prayer that I pray every once in a while. I I don't pray it every day, but I, I pray it often. I've shared it several times already. Lord, lead me to the people I need today and lead me to the people that need me today. Most of the time, My short prayer for the day is this. Make my life today, Lord, count for eternity. That's what I want more than anything. Help me today, God, to do something to affect eternity. That's what we've looked at tonight from the pages of Scripture. Let's pray. God, I thank You tonight that in the midst of a really, really dark, cold prison cell, that Paul wrote such powerful words. Yes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but Lord, there's, there's some personal passion in these words as well. You can feel it. It's as if you're there in that cold, dark prison cell with Paul. You can see it. You can feel it. And you can feel the emotion that's welling up within him. You can feel the desertion that he's experienced in his life. The people that have walked away and walked out of his life and abandoned him. You can feel it because we've all been there. And you can feel the gratefulness and the thankfulness for those like Onesiphorus that Paul had in his life. You You can just tell how thankful he was for somebody like Onesiphorus who was there to refresh him. Who was willing to search for him. Who was willing to serve him even while he was in prison. God, as we walk away from here tonight, may we continually remember that whatever we do to the least of our brothers and sisters, we do it for You. Thank You, God, for the privilege that we have of being Your hands and feet to other people. Thank You, God. And thank you for the people, God, that you send into our lives that are a refreshment and an encouragement and a support to us as well. Would you bless them, God? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight, guys. We'll see you next week.